Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jeep. video there, you just saw Doug Clay, who is our uh, recent elect as of last month. He's the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God for the U.S., and so he oversees all the Assemblies of God churches and ministries within the, within the United States, and so um, and just reflecting on and just encouraging you as part of the Assemblies of God and about being faithful you know, and being faithful to give towards Convoy of Hope. And again, I just want to, you probably saw the email this week, but I just want to again thank you for your faithfulness in giving uh, to Propel Church because we were able to give this week, past week to Convoy of Hope who is already in the ground in the Houston area. And uh, so they're giving food and supplies and water, whatever is needed uh, for specific needs there in Houston currently. They're there on the ground and meeting those needs. And so... I just want to encourage you to continue to pray, not only for the people of Houston uh, and for the churches in Houston, but also for the people and churches in Florida and all of the surrounding states that are being affected by this current hurricane. In fact, uh, Paul Ellis left yesterday uh, to go help in, in chaplaincy there, um, and so he'll be there for the next uh, approximately 10 days, he mentioned to me. So let's keep him in prayer, but we need to keep praying for the people in uh, not only the, in in those cities and those areas, but that lost people would come to know the Lord out of this. That they would that the, that the Lord would get their attention. You know, a lot of times we um, can think, well, this is God's judgment on America, and that may not be the case. I, I, we can't be quick to judge that or to say that, but the Lord does want to get our attention as a nation, and He's faithful in and through these circumstances and storms to meet people's needs and to draw them close to him in a relationship. And so we need to continue to pray that the body of Christ is the body of Christ. And so thank you for your generosity and faithfulness and being the body of Christ here in Arizona and that we can affect and make a difference uh, in our nation in different areas. All right, if you would, if you'd pull out your Bibles and pull out your outlines that are attached to your planner, And silent your phone this time. We're going to jump into this week four. Today we're going to finish this series that we've been looking at and and talking really that uh, when it comes to receiving and walking in the blessing of God, we'd say that we want all of it. We want to live with all of God's blessing in our lives. And sometimes our thoughts expect a blessing from from God, but our thoughts and intentions don't always reflect in our actions. And sometimes how we live outwardly is different than what we expect or want God to do when it comes to his blessing in our lives. And so we've been looking at this verse that where Paul is talking about the principle of finishing in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. And so in order to receive all of God's blessing, we must follow through on the principle of finishing. And Paul said, because I finished what God's asked me and called me to do, now I'm going to reap the reward of eternal life. And so that principle of receiving all of God's blessing in our lives is dependent on whether we finish or not. Amen? I mean, we can see that in different areas in our life. When, if you want to receive a high school diploma, you've got to finish the classes. Same with college education. If you want to receive, receive a degree, we have to finish 
that journey of taking those courses or those classes. And there's so many different areas in our life. In order for us to reap the benefit, we have to finish or follow through. We must follow through when it comes to the different areas in our life to receive all of God's blessing. He wants to pour in his blessing on every single area of our life. But what is our responsibility? What is our part in finishing or following through what God has asked you? And so, so far these last three weeks, we've looked at receiving all of God's blessing when it comes to our relationship with him. And when it comes to our relationship with others. And then also last week we looked at walking in the blessing of God and our calling and purpose in life and whatever it is that we put our hands to and accomplishing for God. And today we're going to look at experiencing the blessing of God when it comes to our finances. And money is a big part of our life, if we really be honest in talking about that. We need it to make our ends meet, right? We need it to pay the bills, to, prov- to provide for needs, to really to do the things that we like to do. And as humans, we desire to have the most amount of money possible in our bank accounts, if we're being honest again. That's why many people play the lottery. That's why many people gamble or bet their money in hopes of amassing more and a quick turnaround. But as believers, we desire God's blessing on our finances. Deep down, we do. This is a key area for us, if we're being honest with ourselves. And if we take a good look at our heart and desires, we want God to provide above and beyond what we need in order to have more than enough. We want to walk in the fullness of God's blessing in our bank accounts. Do we not? Or, or is it just me? Uh, it seems quiet in here. I'd, I'd be like, amen, pastor. I want God to bless that bank account. So when I go home and check online today, there's more money there than what there was this morning. We want that God's blessing on every single area, including even our bank accounts. And maybe we don't like talking about money in the church because it, sometimes it, it makes it personal for us. It, it, it kind of hits home to us, and we, we want to, I don't know. But just like the other areas in our life of following through on the principle of finishing, we must follow through on our end in order to experience God's fullness of his blessing, including the area of finances. Right. We want God's blessing on all areas of our life, not just some. That's what God's heart and desire is for you. That you'd walk in the fullness of his blessing. And God's word talks about money and finances. And so many times we don't see that part or we don't want to listen to that part of God's word or we kind of ignore that part of God's word, but it's there. In fact, God's word talks and says in about 500 verses, it talks about prayer within the Bible. In just fewer than 500 verses, it talks about faith. But more than 2,000 verses, it talks about money in God's word. Now, we would all agree this morning that, man, prayer is important. We need to pray. We would all agree that it's crucial to our faith and relationship with Jesus that we talk about faith. But how much more important, I think it's not by accident, but God wanted us to understand his point of view, his perspective on money and finances in order to walk in the fullness of his blessing because we struggle with some things when it comes to money. And so I want you to see what it says in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I don't know of any of us in this room, and I could be wrong, that not many of us have barns in this place. But I want to make sure that we all understand what this is really saying is this. When it comes to our finances, we can't walk in God's blessing until we've honored him first. We can't walk in the fullness of what God wants to do and bless in the area of our finances until we've put him first in our finances. We want and expect God, God to bless our finances. Now, even as a child, you know, I wanted God to bless all my efforts financially, whatever I did. And, and if you're like me, I had to do fundraisers where I had to go from door to door, house to house to sell candy bars. And they weren't like your, your typical, everybody loves type of candy bars, the popular names. It was like no-name candy bars <laughs> that were extremely expensive. And so you go door to door and you knock on the house, uh, knock on the door of the house and they'd come to the door and say, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so, I'm selling this candy bar as a fundraiser for my school or for my sports team. Would you like to buy them? Well, what do you have? And you show them the no-name candy bar and you tell them the price. They're like, okay, no thanks. And I wanted God to bless my efforts in going door to door. Maybe it was that lemonade stand that my sister and I tried to, you know, set up during garage sales. That God, we want you to bless the efforts of our cups of lemonade that we're going to sell here. Or maybe even in college, I remember, you know, when money is tight when you are in college and you have to spare every dime and, and uh, you're asking God, just make sure that when I write this check, in the days that we wrote a lot of checks, right? But in, in, in this moment, God, make sure that, that this check's not going to bounce. I don't want to have to eat ramen for the next several months. <laughs> but there, in our lifetime, at different points, and maybe throughout, we want God to bless our finances. Deep down we do. Amen. So we have to take God's word and what he says because he's already addressed every area including financially. We long for his blessing in our life in the area of money. And we ask God to bless us in this area sometimes more than even other areas of our life. Meaning God we, we want you to bless our finances and we continually go back to that more than other areas. And that's why I think God put more than 2,000 verses in his word because he's like, it's already there. I knew you were going to struggle with this. And if our, if our finances aren't strong or healthy or maybe there's just enough to get by, we wonder why we're not experiencing a, great, a greater blessing of God in this area. It could be the reason for that is because of this. We don't honor God first with our finances, that we're not walking in the fullness of his blessing. The word used here in verse 9 is first fruits. God required the Israelites in the Old Testament to give him the first fruits of all their income. Now, for them, it was crops. The income was in the crops. And whatever they produced, God wanted the first portion of it. It wasn't because God wanted to take away blessing from them, but he wanted them to always remember to trust him first. And instead of trusting into their own ability first and what their own hands could produce because God wanted to bless them. And so when we honor God with our wealth first, then he's able to pour in the fullness of his blessing. And his fullness is not just a little bit. It's not just a small amount. But he blesses us so that we're overflowing with his provision in our life. That's who our God is. That's what he wants to do.
But God blesses our finances only if we honor him first. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, God was speaking through Malachi to Israel to renew their commitment to God because they had broken different covenants with him, including honoring him first with their first fruits. And this is what God says to them in verses 6 through 12. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, meaning Israel, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty." There's so much in this passage, not just for Israel, but for our lives, that I want to look at for a few moments this morning. The first thing is this. God's ways don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God was telling Israel here that he doesn't change, that his ways are still the same, that the covenants that he made with Israel all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still in effect. They're still the same which is why Israel wasn't destroyed in spite of their disobedience to God and breaking, in their, breaking their covenants with him. God didn't wipe them out because of his covenant of love towards them. That's what he was telling them there in that first part of that verse. Because of his covenant of faithfulness to them, he wasn't gonna leave them, he wasn't gonna give up on them. And he was faithful, and yet he reminds Israel that they've not kept his decrees. And he tells them to return to him and he will return to them. Why? Because God's ways haven't changed. He's always the same. It's the same when it comes to our lives. God's ways haven't changed. His love and faithfulness are the same as well as his word in our lives. And what he's asked us to do hasn't changed. And that's why God reminded Israel and he reminds us that we rob God and ourselves of his blessing when we don't tithe. God even said to Israel, you ask, how do we rob you? And he responded with the area of tithes and offerings. Israel had left God. They had turned away from him to serve other gods and idols. And God was asking them to return to him. Return to the faithfulness of serving him. To return to him by giving their tithe, which is the first 10% of their income. The tithe means 10%. And so that word tithe not only means 10th, but the word rob here means to defraud. God was saying to them, you are defrauding me of what is rightfully mine, what what rightfully belongs to me. By not bringing the 10% or the tithe into the temple, not bringing those first fruits into the storehouse or in today's terms, the local church. You see, God's words and ways have not changed. And I know there's theology out there amongst Christians, even in this country, in this nation, that, man, that's Old Testament thinking. But Jesus said in Matthew, he said, I'm not come to abolish the law, 
I've come to raise the bar. I've come to fulfill the, the law. And then he even raised it. If you tithe on a regular, consistent basis and give offerings to the Lord as he leads you, keep being faithful to God. I commend you for your faithfulness and your obedience to God. If you aren't, I want to encourage you to obey God's word and following what he's asked of us because we can't walk in the fullness of God's blessing when we rob him. It's very clear. It's in black and white. We can't defraud the Lord of what belongs to him and then expect him to bless our finances. Please understand out of this passage that God's heart and desire is to bless his children. I want you to understand that. We need to see that if we're gonna be obedient in this area because God doesn't wanna take away from us. He wants to bless our lives. That's who he is as our heavenly father. His heart is for us. He's not against us, scripture says. He desires us to walk in the fullness of his blessing in every area of our life, including financially. And when we're faithful with God's 10% and giving back to him, God blesses and multiplies the other 90% so that it goes further than if we had kept all 100%. Amen. It's the power of supernatural multiplication. Let me give you an example even this week. I have a family member who is in the construction business and he lives in the Midwest. And I just found out from her from my parents this story that just happened with Hurricane Irma. He was contacted and it was mandated that they take down this large crane for obvious reasons because it would damage buildings, it could topple on people, it could, people could be killed, and so he had to drive down to Florida with all the craziness and to oversee the takedown of this large crane. Well, he, in order to get back out of Florida, and if you saw pictures on the news or if you saw social media pictures, it was crazy traffic getting out of Florida. And so he was a part of that and wasn't able to get gas for a long time. In fact, he drives a truck. And so he was leaving Florida and got all the way to Tennessee and he was still on a half a tank of gas. Come on now. That's not by the natural. That's by the supernatural. That's God's blessing. That's God multiplying his gas to be able to help him get as far as he could in order to purchase gas. You see, God's faithful. He wants to bless. He wants to multiply everything in our, in our, our life. But we have to be faithful to him. We've got to be obedient to his words. Understand that God wants to release the floodgates of heavenly blessing into your finances through his provision. He wants his children to experience the blessing of their heavenly father. But it's conditional on whether or not we are obedient in the area of tithing. And you see or understand this morning that God cannot bless disobedience in any area of our life including our finances. And whether it's sin in a different area of our life or in the area of finances, if we're not being obedient, God can't bless our disobedience. But sometimes we live like that or we think like that. We don't want to obey God's word in this area and then we want God to bless and take care of every need. It doesn't work like that. In fact, God says we are under a curse when we don't tithe. Now you may say, why would God curse us? I want you to understand that it's not God placing a curse on us. That's not what he's saying here in this passage. When, when we don't tithe, God's protection and blessing cannot rest on our finances. Why? Because we're not being obedient. It means that our finances are then opened up for the enemy to mess with. 
And we know from what Jesus said in John 10 that Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy in every single area of our life, including our finances. He wants to mess with our finances. And so when we withhold from God that 10%, all of our income is exposed to being used up or not having enough for what we need. That's why people can struggle to make ends meet. That's why things always seem to be falling apart or breaking and needing to be replaced. Now, I'm not saying that if we are tithing that things don't need to be replaced because that's part of life. I'm just saying this, that there's usually more that needs to be fixed when we aren't tithing because it doesn't have God's blessing and protection. It can't rest on our finances if we're not tithing. It could be the reason why we didn't get that raise or that job promotion. Because God's blessing and protection are on that area of our life. And it could be so many different areas in our life where we're not experiencing the blessing of God because we aren't being obedient to God's worth in this area. That's why God says to test him in the area of tithing. Very clear. He says, test me. Just try me out. This is the only place in scripture where God says, test me. He doesn't say, test me in my love. He doesn't say, test me in in faith or test me in grace and mercy. He didn't say any of that. This is the only area in scripture where God says, test me, because he knew we would struggle in the area of money and finances. That's why Jesus talked a lot about money in the parables that he shared. And we know we're supposed to surrender all of our lives, all of us to Christ when we committed our life to him. But sometimes we have struggles to surrender our wallet and finances to God. And we say, God, here I am, take all of me, and yet we got a handle on our, our wallet. We're not going to let go of that. You may say, well, I don't have enough to tithe. I'm barely making ends meet. Or I don't have enough to meet all the needs that I currently have in my family. And I want to encourage you, because I've seen it in my own life, God's faithfulness and provision when money's been tight. As I've continued to be faithful, as, as Julie and I, as a, as, as a married couple, as our family has continued to be faithful to God, God has always taken care of our needs. Amen. And he's provided out of the middle of nowhere sometimes, or places unexpected because of his faithfulness. I've talked with many people who have struggled with area tithing. If you're struggling with that, it's, it's not a new struggle Amen. to humankind. <laughs> because we struggle with this area. And one of those people, when they've, to their own admission, by the, them not tithing, it's because they, they couldn't afford to tithe. Or they felt like, this, is, this really belongs to me, not to God. Yet, we can't afford not to tithe. Amen. We need God's protection and blessing because every one of those same people, when they began to surrender to the Lord, And in talking with them afterwards, they would come to me excited saying, guess what? I began to tithe and this is what God did. For many of them, they got a new raise or a new promotion. Some of them had businesses and all of a sudden they had new customers and clients and God began to pour in this immediate blessing in different areas, in different ways. Why is this? Is it because of coincidence? No way. It's because the truth of God's word. When God says, test me in this. Try me in this. 
Because God will pour in a blessing that we can't contain when we're obedient to him in this area. That's why we have to test him in this area because he wants us to prove him right. King David knew what it meant to walk in the blessing of God financially and look what he says in 1 Chronicles 29. Verses 10 through 14, he says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now David had given here in this passage in the context, had given resources for his son Solomon to be able to build the temple. And then he gave personally over and above what he'd already given as king of Israel. And then the leaders of the tribes of Israel gave willingly for the work of the temple themselves as well. And it says the people rejoice at the willing response to their leaders in giving generously. But I want to look at David's question to God in this passage where he asks, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give this generously? I love that question and statement because David was saying this, that it was only possible to give generously because of what the Lord had already done because of God's faithfulness to David and Israel is what he was saying. And David knew and understood that. You see, to walk in God's blessing, it requires humility. To walk in God's financial blessing, it requires humility. David walked in the blessing of God because of his humility before the Lord. And in order for us to experience God's financial blessing, we must first understand and walk in in humility. Meaning this, we must realize and live with the mindset that wealth and honor come from the Lord. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come by our own means. It doesn't happen within our own strength and what we can produce. It only comes from God. God owns it all, and in return, we honor God and give back to him that which he's given us. Also understand that faithfulness with what God's already given opens up the door for his blessing. When we are faithful stewards with what God's already blessed us with, in return, as we continue to be faithful to God, then God opens up a greater door or another door for us to experience his continued blessing in our lives. In other words, when we understand God's the one who blesses us, and when we're faithful with what he's already placed in our possession by giving his tithe back to him, by giving offerings as the Lord leads us and lays on our heart, when we honor God first before we enjoy the fruits of his blessing, it opens up the door for greater blessing in our lives. And God wants to pour out a greater blessing in each and every one of us because we've been a good steward with what he's already given us. Just look at the example of King David. He was so moved to give towards the building of the Lord's temple both as king as well as personally, that God not only blessed him personally, but God blessed David's son Solomon as well with wisdom and wealth. That blessing continued on to the next generation. And even in greater ways in Solomon's life. You see, we can't outgive God. We will never be able to be obedient or generous enough where God will not provide and pour in his blessing more than enough that we can contain. 
and our lives because that's the God we serve. Because we serve the one true God. And understand that he wants us to live with that mindset, knowing our Abba Father, knowing our Heavenly Father in that way as part of our relationship with Christ. Paul had a lot to say about giving and generosity and here's just a small portion of what he had to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result result in thanksgiving to God. We reap what we sow with the Lord. If we sow with little, then we're going to reap little. If we sow with a lot, then we're going to reap a lot. But I want you to see here the context of this passage that the heart God is looking for when it comes to tithing, offerings, and generosity is one that is happy to give. God is looking for cheerful givers. He wants his children to not give begrudgingly or reluctantly, not really wanting to give, but knowing that we're supposed to. Like, okay, God, I'll do it. I'm not really happy about this. <laughs> That's not the type of giving and the heart that God is looking for when it comes to being obedient to him. He wants us to be happy or excited when we give because giving is really a form of worship. Tithing is a heart issue. It comes down to the heart. Do we love God fully? Do we want to be fully obedient to God in all areas? It's not out of legalism. It's, it's out of a heart issue. And it comes down to having the right heart and knowing that God owns everything anyway and he's blessed my life and so I can give to him cheerfully. I can be happy about giving. I'm gonna choose to be happy when I give to God because of all that he's done for me. And when we do, the abundant blessing of God is poured out to enrich us in every way, Paul said. He said, God is able to bless abundantly so that in all things or always in all times we will have everything that we need, meaning God will meet us in all of our needs. Every single thing. One thing won't get left out. Now, there's some wants that aren't really needs that may get left out. But everything that we need, God will provide. And we will abound or be prosperous and successful in every good work that we do. God wants to enrich every part of your life. Not just financially, but spiritually, relationally. Every single area of your life. So that we can be generous on every occasion or opportunity we have. Not just financially, but with our time. Be generous in, in our relationships. That's how good God is. And he doesn't want us to give his tithe, to give offerings, or to be generous out of a legalistic mindset but he wants us to give because we want to be obedient to him out of our love for him. The bottom line is this. We don't give to get, but we give to show our obedience and thanks to God. Sometimes we can have the wrong mindset that 
man, if, I, if, I, if I'm faithful in my tithe, uh, God, I'm gonna get something. God's gonna bless me in this way. He's gonna bless me in this area. He, he's gonna pour in into my bank account. And our heart shouldn't be to give to God because he's gonna bless us. Again, we give to God because we wanna be obedient to him in his word. We give to him because we're showing our thanks to him for all that he's done for us. We give because we love him. We give because it's fun to give. God doesn't just bless the act of giving. He blesses us when we give with the right heart. And there's a difference. That's when God will pour in the blessing of our lives. And that's when we experience the fullness of his blessing financially within our hearts and lives. I don't know about you, church, but I want all of it. I don't want any area of my life to miss out on the fullness of God's blessing. Whether it's in my relationship with God, in my relationships with others, in my calling and purpose in life and what God has called me to or everything that I put my hands to do for him or financially in my life, in every single area, I want all of God's blessing in my life. That's my heart before the Lord. That's what I desire before him to know him in that way. And you know what? That's God's heart and desire for each and every one of us, that we would know him in that way as our heavenly father, that we would be obedient to him out of our love for him, and in return, God meets all of our needs, and we experience the provision of who he is as God Almighty in our lives.